Louis van Gaal said after today's draw with West Ham that the fans would have enjoyed that game. <laughs> Did you? No. I, I, had, I, I now basically just don't agree with anything Louis van Gaal says. It's like a, a Pavlovian response when he starts talking. You just start thinking, no, wrong, uh-uh, untrue, lies, you're lying. I thought it was brilliant. I thought um, Plucky United grabbed a late equaliser. <laughs> yes. Uh, you asked in the intro, was the game at Liverpool the worst performance under Louis van Gaal? I'm pretty sure the answer to that is no, which is a staggering indictment on the Louis van Gaal era at Manchester United. It wasn't the worst performance. Actually, there have been worse ones this season. Norwich uh, comes to mind. But was it the most embarrassing? Was it the game in which his players made the least effort was it the one in which the, the the phrase they were beaten before they even got onto the pitch was most true? Yeah, I mean, Jurgen Klopp in the build-up to the game called it the mother of all games. And Lou van Gaal has been, as has been widely pointed out, basically just said, yeah, you know, it's just another game, really. And, and that really did feel like the two teams' approach to that game. Yeah, that's right. We'd have done better with Mother Teresa in midfield than Maran Fellaini, who was... Abysmal. I'm not quite sure if he was United's worst player or not, but he definitely wasn't the best player on the pitch, quote unquote, as Louis van Gaal laughably called him. There was just, I don't know, I don't, I'm not sure if I, I've got a pretty, I've got a decent vocabulary, but I don't know if I have enough words to describe just how bad it was, how little effort the players made, how disorganised they appeared to be, how inevitable defeat appeared to be. Um, just how demoralising that whole 90 minutes was. Yeah, I, um, you know, it's one of those games where you look at the starting 11 and I, first of all, my inclination is always to pick positives out of the starting 11 and I thought the front four was quite bold, although maybe a little too bold. I'm never really going to argue against, you know, chucking in a youngster at the deep end and hoping they can swim. But given the amount of defensive responsibility uh, that would be assigned to the right-sided attacker... In in that four two three one, maybe Rashford was a was a, it was a bridge too far to expect him to do it on that stage, uh, but uh, that's a minor quibble. But as soon as you looked at that centre midfield, just absolutely depressing because I I think the, these are rough statistics, but I think it's pretty close to accurate. I reckon Maran Fellaini's played in deep lying midfield for United about ten times this season, and I reckon United have been abject in nine out of ten of those games. And I don't think that's hyperbole. No, actually, if you look at the uh, the stats with him in and out of the side, United won something like uh, 13 games out of uh, out of 18 with him out of the side uh, and, and much, much, much fewer when he's in the side. So United are bad when he plays in midfield. Yeah, and it's this isn't even a dig at Fellaini, who I don't think, you know... I, I think it's just ridiculous, given the options available to Van Gaal, that that's the option he selects. I, I think he's looked and gone, oh, well, Fellaini's been all right against Liverpool every time we've played them. I'd better stick him in here if in case he's all right again. Which, to be fair to Van Gaal, is quite an Alex Ferguson approach to <laughs> that sort of thing. Fergie was forever going, oh, yeah, he's good on this ground. We'll, we'll play him, you know. Um, but but yeah, just just ridiculous. And the consequence of, of him playing in midfield was that the passing was like remarkably disjointed although he wasn't the only one at fault for that he was the worst culprit yeah well the, the thing is that um when you're up against that sort of gang and style 
and, and you need some comfort on the ball. It's a pretty strange game to play Fellaini and Schneiderlin in central midfield. They just couldn't keep the ball United. Kept coming back and back and back. And, and Liverpool were not just good for the 2-0 win. United were lucky it wasn't 4 or 5. Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. So there's this massive gap between... It's essentially, functionally, a massive gap between Mata and Fellaini, right? Where the attack looks like they're in a different universe to the midfield and defence, which forces... Uh, the two wide attacking players to be effectively midfielders rather right. than attackers. Right. Rashford was basically playing at right wing back yeah. for half for for the half before you know Louis Van Gaal had a stroke at half time and went for three at the back again. Wasn't that beautiful? Uh, it, that, that moment when you see Carrick warming up on the pitch. I was watching on television and uh, had it muted and saw Carrick warming up and thought, okay, well, I probably would have gone with the. I wouldn't necessarily have chosen Carrick over Herrera as the substitute at that point, but fair enough, at least he's taking off Fellaini. Nope, no, 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 oh no, he's going to play Carrick at centre-back. Correlation and causation can be uh, can be seen as one here. Michael Carrick gives one goal away per performance at centre-back throughout his whole career. I mean, he's been dreadful there since he first played in that position. That was 2009. So six years of Michael Carrick being absolutely dreadful at centre-back. Not only, and, and, you know, we've had two seasons of United being dreadful when playing three at the back. So you've got Carrick at centre-back, dreadful. Three at the back, dreadful. Marin Fellaini protecting them, dreadful. <laughs> it's like the perfect storm of um, Van Hal. It was that peak Van Hal. Could it get worse from here? It could, because after the game, he said, much like Pete Moyes was not... On the pitch, but off the pitch. Pete Van Gaal was also off the pitch because afterwards he said Fellaini was the best player on the park. <laughs> I mean, look, to be to be fair to Van Gaal, that is world-class trolling. World-class. Absolutely exceptional. The whole thing, going to three at the back and, and sticking Carrick in there, who, by the way, gave away a goal. <gasps> what a surprise! And so now United have two goals to make up instead of just one. Um Remarkable. Uh, Liverpool should be ashamed of themselves for only winning that game 2-0. I thought they were sort of bobbins. Yeah, they were, I didn't think they were that great. I mean, we we conspired to make them look like the you know, the best team on the the planet, didn't we? So no, I, I look. This is a this is a Liverpool team in transition. It's it was uh, transitioning from being a really bad side to perhaps being one that's slightly less than just bad. We'll see. I mean, they've been pretty un- inconsistent under Klopp to date. Um, but he's got them playing in a way, hasn't he? You know, he's when do you take the job? November time or so? He's He's got them playing his way. Uh, and uh, I guess we've spoken about that before on this pod. It's not that difficult to do that. And it's more difficult to, to get that level of consistency. And that's what he's looking for now. But they definitely wanted that win, didn't they? The Liverpool players were desperate for it. Klopp loved it. Um, uh, Van Gaal, as you said, you know, seemed... No more fussed about this game than any other. Uh, and the United players really didn't want to play for their manager. I'm throwing in a lot of cliches there, but it certainly felt like that on the night. I, I think there's, you know, there is this kind of backlash against talking about passion and, you know, fight and all these kind of totally intangible concepts. But they are extremely important in professional sport. I think I've said those exact words on the podcast before. Um, but but it's true. and And when they're lacking... Technique goes, and when you when you have less effort, you're you don't win those fifty fifties. There there are huge numbers of intangibles. You don't win the sixty forties, uh, and 
you know, ultimately, it's not really that surprising that the team isn't playing for the manager, given what a chaotic mess he is. And and it's not like I thought... It wasn't one of those performances where you think every player on that park should be ashamed of themselves for the effort they put in. I, I, I didn't think that, anyway. Uh, it was just more that the whole thing... The whole thing felt totally flat from start to finish. And, and it was like the passion had been drained out of the side by the selection, by the changes at half-time. Well, Paul Scholes said afterwards that um, there's no way his team would have been beaten in that manner. So I think, I think he was... I mean, United definitely lost heavily to Liverpool at times under Ferguson with Scholes in the side. But... You know, was he right to say that at least he uh, his side would have tackled? I mean, I can't imagine Roy Keane and Skulls would have accepted a performance like that. I mean, no, but but as you say, United lost heavily to Liverpool plenty of times, and and they did put in meek performances under Ferguson from time to time. But it was just the exception rather than the rule, and now it's now the exception is is good performances. That Arsenal game looks like an absolute blip, doesn't it? I suspect at the end of the season we'll be looking back on the three or four games United played well last season, the three or four games United played well this season as being the, the yeah six to eight games that United played well some total under Van Hull. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's really damning. It's um, yeah, I think the uh, the stat was going around today that United have won something like eleven of the last thirty four games. Something pathetic like that. I mean, it sounds about right, doesn't it? So, th- this is a side going absolutely nowhere, and as yep. many as uh, many excuses as Van Hal can find, n- none of them really resonate. And you know, unfortunately, it's um, he has not managed to turn this around. Doesn't really matter about injuries. I don't think. In fact, um, injuries or the recovery of players from injuries is making his side worse. Definitely. I mean, you know, it was all, and this is why it's so infuriating, it was all too predictable that Fellaini would be straight back in the side. And the thing I just, I cannot square off against this, for someone who's so dogmatic about playing this kind of technical possession game, and Fellaini is the exact opposite of that. Yeah, and the other thing that he's dogmatic about is uh, giving players match rhythm and bringing them back into the side slowly. But not if you're Mario and Fellaini, straight back in there, son. I know you've been out for months and you were rubbish before you went out, but straight back in there. Yeah. So the other player who's back is Bastian Schweinsteiger, who didn't have a good few minutes against Liverpool, really. Much better against West Ham, we'll we'll come to that. Um, Yeah, really made a difference. Made a difference against the Hammers. Um, Didn't didn't have a good time against Liverpool, I think. Uh, Being thrown into that when he's not the fastest starter anyway was a bit difficult. Um, but in the end, United lost that game just 2-0. And, and that means that, that, in theory at least, the team is still in the competition. Yeah, although I can't see them keeping a clean sheet against Liverpool at Old Trafford, really. It, it, that, that seems like a long shot to me, given how shambolic the defending's been in the last few weeks. Uh, we need to talk about Daily Blint, I guess. I, I'm very defensive about Blint a couple of weeks ago when I thought your attack on him was a little... Uh, over uh, just a little strong considering how his general performance level had been but you've uh, you've killed him Edge you've destroyed Daily Blint's confidence he listened to the podcast and he was like oh even at my best I can't impress Ed what's the point of even trying anymore I'm going to turn into a massive liability hmm. well you talked about feeling a bit defensive um, that's one thing that Daily Blint doesn't do <laughs> and strong he's not that either I mean they're, they're really I mean you know I, I know I'm a uh, 
I'm yanking your chain a little bit, but his strength is with the ball at his feet and being able to pass it. That's about it. I mean, got himself horribly out of position against West Ham uh, in the first half and and, uh, was lucky United didn't concede. Um, I think I tweeted something like, he's not even at championship level, which drew some uh, um, interesting responses, I'd say. Um, yeah, he's probably at championship level. He, he might make it into the uh, Derby County side or something like that. I mean, I, I think that Blint is tired and I think it's really bad that Van Gaal hasn't given him a rest because he's just played relentlessly and he just he's just looked really tired in the last few games and his passing's fallen off a cliff. And when that happens, you know that there's something not right. Uh, I think it's one of those things where you're going to find out in a, in a couple of weeks that he's been carrying some sort of niggly injury. Um, throughout this this period of games because I I know you don't rate him as a defender but I think he's been way better as a central defender than he has been in the last few weeks uh, over the course of the season so yeah I think there's probably something up with Blint yes there is he's not very good <laughs> that's, that's, that's not it's just not true <laughs> just simply not true I mean maybe he's not I mean definitely he's not elite level centre back but uh, he's not he's nowhere near as bad as he's been for a run of, I think, four games, the last four games. All right, moving on to something more positive. Let's talk about someone who is good. Okay. And, and in fact, the only player who was good against Liverpool, uh, David De Gea. I mean, he's, he's kept United in the tie, possibly Van Gaal in a job. It, he just looks so annoyed at the moment, De Gea does. <laughs> just like looking around going, is this, what, is this what a broken fax machine will do to a man? <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe he's just distracted. He's thinking, which, which uh, mansion is he going to get in which part of the uh, Madrid commuter belt? The thing is, like, there was a banner, I think, at Real Madrid where they were saying they, they love Kilo Navas and they don't want David De Gea. Fine, great opinion, Real Madrid fans. You just keep believing that. That's superb. Yeah, but this is the same group of fans that boo Ronaldo. I mean, really, he scored over four hundred goals for Real Madrid. I know, but to be fair, wouldn't you? Would don't you think he sort of deserves booing? Yeah, but they also booed Casillas, as I seem to remember. <laughs> so um... yeah, he didn't deserve it, but Ronaldo definitely does. I watched some of uh, the Madrid Roma game <laughs> in midweek, and it was hilarious hilarious what a kind of narcissistic mess Ronaldo's turned into it just fuming that his, his teammates don't pass him the ball when they've got a perfectly reasonable shot opportunity at 4-0 up in the tie <laughs> game's gone Ronaldo so clearly doesn't care about the game he just wants those big numbers on his record it is Embarrassing. Now, as a little aside, talking of European football and all that, uh, Zlatan, uh, some talk this week that he might be on his way to England. He's out of contract in Paris this summer. Um, Reportedly said today that he would sign a new contract at Paris Saint-Germain if they replaced the Eiffel Tower with a statue of him. Yeah, see, that's the kind of rampant egotism I can get behind. He does it with a wink, Zlatan does. Ronaldo, there's no wink with Ronaldo, ironically, given what happened in Euro 2006 or whenever it was. Yes, he, he is an, an ironic narcissist, Ronaldo, of the uh, really most unpleasant kind. Hey, have you ever seen that sort of mini video, well, that sort of documentary, obviously PR-driven documentary of Ronaldo, um, where they go through his house and like, every wall is a mirror. I mean, it's not, it's not even a joke either. Every wall is a mirror. Uh, yeah, it's, 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 very, it's a bit sad, really. Um, 
But anyway, he he'll, he'll, he's doing all right for himself, isn't he? One day I kind of feel like he's going to have a realisation. Oh no, wait a minute, football's a team sport. If only I'd realised this earlier. Um, but yeah, Zlatan, Zlatan doesn't have quite that same level of uh, unpleasant narcissism on the pitch, does he? He doesn't seem unhappy if his teammates score instead of him. No, he does not. But would you take him at United next season on a free? It's hardly a long-term option. I mean... It would be fun, wouldn't it, for a season? He has scored 35 goals this season, which is kind of mental given his age. But, uh, yeah, not not a long-term option. But I'm not really sure the club thinks in the long term anymore, does it? So I think if there was an option to get him on a free, I'm sure they would. He'd be great for the marketing material and all of that. Yeah, absolutely. Now, someone who's not quite great for the marketing material at the moment is uh, ex-Red Paul Scholes, who's absolutely laying into Van Gaal at every opportunity at the moment. Is this the class of 92, Fergie, back on it? Um, they've, they've wavered on and off with Van Gaal this season, haven't they? Yeah, based on whether or not he was immediately going to be replaced by Jose Mourinho, if you believe Red Issue. Clearly, Skulls couldn't do anything but lay into Van Gaal after that, that Liverpool game. And, and he was right to do it. And I don't think maybe, like... I don't. I don't think he was quite of right to say they should have smashed Jordan Henderson. Um, but apart from that, it's hard to argue with too much that he said. Don't know. Might fix his gait. <laughs> yes, quite. Um, hard to find much to disagree with in what he said. Is there? No. Um, I mean, he's right. United lacked any kind of cohesion and, and fight against Liverpool. And um, there you go. It was abysmal. It was truly abysmal. And and we have the uh, the. Game coming up on Thursday to see whether United can score three to take it, uh, take, get through to the next round. Seems very unlikely. Yeah, because they're not going to keep a clean sheet either. They're going to have to score more than three, more or less. I, I mean, I think it seems more or less guaranteed um, at this point. So, yeah, then came the West Ham game. And for two thirds of that, it looked like much of a muchness. Payet with a wonderful free kick. Absolutely wonderful. Talking of not being able to disagree with Skulls, I think Skulls said De Gea should have done better. <laughs> it's just outrageous. You can tell he wasn't a goalkeeper, can't you? Well, you can, yeah. I mean, the, the whip on the ball was uh, incredible. I, I think the reason why there's criticism popping up about that one is that it, it's over the wall. So clearly that's, um, you know, I don't know. It, De Gea will have seen it for a long time. But that's not me saying he should have saved it. He was full stretch and it's right in the corner. Um, but I think that's why a few pundits came out and criticised him afterwards. But uh, just, I just thought it was a, a wonderful free kick. There's not a lot of space between West Ham and United at the moment, is there? I'd, you know, West Ham were on top for long periods of that game. United got back into it in the second half, much stronger second half, I thought. And I suppose West Ham were really going for it at the end. I mean, this was not a hammer side. Uh, happy to take a draw at Old Trafford. They had sort of four or five corners in a row at the end of the game there. They did. Um, all started by one that shouldn't have been a corner, which is ironic. It was a game of controversial refereeing decisions all the way through. Well, if Martin Atkinson is, you know, he's, uh, he's an abysmal referee, unfortunately. And uh, he got a lot of things wrong, including some in United's favour. I thought United's goal was just a little bit on the dubious side. Bastian Schweinsteiger rugby tackling the goalkeeper out of the way, so... Martial could put it in. Very 1920s of, of Schweinsteiger. Very old-fashioned centre-forward play in the sense of when it used to be not illegal to shoot the goalkeeper. That's right, yeah. <laughs> and of course, Payet, who scored the free kick, shouldn't have been on the pitch. An absolutely outrageous dive after he'd already been booked and, and Atkinson bottled it. Yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. Unlike Mike Dean, of course, who bravely sent Juan Mata off last week. Even though Juan Mata's quite nice, which... Even though Juan Mata's quite nice and one of them was a really, really dumb <laughs> yellow. Yeah. So, I mean, although uh, that you know, Mike Dean couldn't wait to get the yellow card out, could he? Atkinson... It felt like, I mean, I'm not a conspiracy theorist when it comes to referees, but it certainly felt like he wasn't going to give United much today. Uh, yeah, or ever, in fairness. I, I'm also not much for, and the referees are all out to get United. I don't think history bears that up at all. But, but Atkinson is a referee with a long history of complicated relationship with United, isn't he? Yeah, so that was that was a bit unfortunate. Probably no coincidence not to hammer a theme uh, that United improved vastly when Schweinsteiger replaced Fellaini. Yep, um, uh, Schweinsteiger's pass completion rate at 100% for the time he was on the peak. I mean, just brings composure. I mean, obviously the legs have gone somewhat from his peak. He doesn't have the energy evolved and that makes it really difficult because he gets overrun when he plays as a more defensive-minded midfielder and then when he's in a more attacking role... Unless there are players behind him to shield him, it can leave United with some real problems. So he he actually came on in quite an attacking role, didn't he, today? But for the last few minutes and, and just brought some composure back to the team. Fellaini, who offered none of that at all. Dreadful for two games in a row. And just seeing Fellaini in the starting eleven, I, I did my uh, preview for Bleacher Report and I didn't put Fellaini in the starting eleven. And then afterwards, once it was all out there, I thought, wait a minute, of course Maran Fellaini's going to start because that's... A, Pure Van Gaal, because he said after the last game that he was good. Yeah, when Dan, it... who does the uh, previews for Rant, uh, did something similar. He he uh, talked himself out of putting Fellaini in his predicted team, but of course it was extremely predictable that he would play. Yeah, absolutely. It's just it's one of those things where you can't quite bring yourself to imagine that the manager would make a decision like that, just like you can't bring yourself to imagine he'd bring Carrick on to play a back three uh, at half-time in a tie, in a European tie they were losing. Well, we'll, we'll laugh about that in years to come. <laughs> I mean, I laughed about it quite literally as it was happening, but it was the kind of ironic laughter that you get driven to watching Van Gaal. It was the same, I laughed when I saw the starting eleven today as well. Just like the absolute moxie of Van Gaal, the whole, his whole career the end of his career all rests upon this one game his last shot at realistic ending it with any kind of glory he's going to go down with that ship he's going to start Carrick and Fellaini in the centre of the park in a team with Payet in it so that the back four definitely need extra protection properly ridiculous it was probably ridiculous but the, the thing is you know even though Fellaini was in central midfield United just about coped West Ham's midfield, you know, Noble and Coyote sort of sitting there, Lanzini pushing on a little bit, Payet running the show, um, just about coped. I, I, I have to say, I did think uh, West Ham would swamp United. Uh, I thought they'd be too flexible and there'd be too much movement for United and I was expecting United to lose. Um, so in that sense, they did all right. I mean, it's pretty desperate, isn't it, when we are expecting United to get beaten by West Ham at Old Trafford when we've beaten West Ham at Old Trafford like 99 times out of the last 100. Maybe not that many, but quite a lot. Uh, absolutely. And and it it kind of felt like, oh, wow, we've drawn. That's good effort, lads, you know, when, when of course, that, that shouldn't be the way it is. It was good to see a bit of fight in the team. It was good to see Martial getting a goal. Um, he, he is just going to be a brilliant player, isn't he? 
Uh, there was a moment when, after Memphis had come on, another kind of weird decision to leave Memphis out as well, uh, but there was a moment after Memphis had come on when he he dribbled and opened up a split-second shooting opportunity and it really felt like this was it, but then, in fact, he just took another touch and ran himself into trouble because he's Memphis. But, yeah, Varela was all right, wasn't he? Not not bad. I kind of expected Damien to start, really. I mean, he's been pretty bad this season, Damien, save for a couple of months at the start of the campaign and a little burst in um, in sort of uh, the early spring or so. But um, Varela deserved his start. I mean, he's he's actually been one of the bright sparks in a in an otherwise disappointing few months. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all the bright sparks, kids, really. Um so there's the, none of the senior players really count as a bright spark, I guess. Schweinsteiger's 20 minutes today or whatever it was counts. I thought Herrera did okay today. Oh, I mean, yeah. got the assist, I suppose. Lovely sort of, assist. Yeah, I mean, kind of counted as an assist. I think Schweinsteiger should get half an assist. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, for the for the uh, American football-style defensive block that he ran. Yeah, so all in all, one all is a all right result but I am not particularly optimistic about the uh, about the return leg of this fixture I mean how can you possibly given United's abysmal abysmal record away from home how could you be optimistic well quite it would be uh, perhaps a little misguided to be uh, I, I we don't know yet when the when that game is going to be played but we were having a little look at the calendar earlier and it seems like it's going to be like a long time away yeah it could be i mean ov- obviously city next weekend and then the uh, well the uefa cup game coming up and the please normally demand 10 days anyway then it's the international break and would they play it just before the international break seems unlikely very yeah I sh- yeah i would assume that most um most teams will take the players away so Looking after the international break, if if by some miracle United got through in the Europa League, that would kill another couple of midweeks. So it could be quite a while. Um, we'll see. The semi-finals final, aren't played until um, mid-April. So sort of around the 14th, 15th of April, something like that. So um, they have some space-ish, sort of, just about. Just about. So we've got some space in the show now before we have a look forward that's not the right word. Before we do some previews uh, of the games to come, should we take some listening questions in that bit of space? I bet they're all really cheery and positive. Uh, at Exiled in Texas says, Ray Wilkins brought back to add pace to LVG's midfield and more sideways passing? Question mark. Uh, would he be worse than Fellaini? He would. He would be worse than Fellaini because he's a very old man now. But Ray Wilkins would have loved playing for Van Gaal, wouldn't he? The Crab. Yeah, he, he would have been a very Van Hull player. Although, hmm, I wonder, I wonder if Van Hull might have seen him as a little flaky. Or maybe a little too too uh, exciting with his passing. At CraigNate2 says, maybe LVG is right and everyone else is wrong and he's going to finish the season with a trophy in the top four just in the worst possible way. I can't see it. I cannot see United getting it together long enough to win a trophy. Hey, as LVG says, we're still in three trophies. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, the the thing about the FA Cup is Arsenal have gone out, Chelsea have gone out. It's definitely winnable from here if only United were any good ever. Yeah. Uh, does uh, semi-final at Wembley count as an away game? I mean, maybe we luck our way into a victory at, uh, at Upton Park or the bowling ground, as they like to call it these days. Um, and we make our way into the semi-final and... Get hmm. Who would you want? I mean, 
Watford gave us a real game. Everton have come back into some form. Well, they've won one game after chucking a game they should definitely have won. That's better form than we've got. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely up. It's winnable, this one. Um, unfortunately- who, else is, who else is through? Oh, no, it's... Palace. Palace, right. So Palace, Everton, Watford and us or West Ham. That's right. It's pretty, pretty, it's def- there's definitely a route through, isn't there? But it's just, it's so difficult to back us. Uh-huh. In so many ways. And at Dero underscore 69 says, a train travels to London from Glasgow at a speed of 90 miles per hour. How long before Van Hal realises he's lost the plot? <laughs> he, w- he would definitely be having dinner in Glasgow that night if you were relying on him to work it out. He'd, he'll, he'll ride that train all the way to the end. Yeah. No, Van Hal um, does not think he's lost the plot. Uh, he does not think United are playing badly. He thinks there has been progress. He talked after the Liverpool game um, uh, about how the philosophy is working. Uh, he said the style is working. The style is working, Paul. I mean, he, he kind of said the results are not good, but the style is working. And I, I, I think... I think I know what he means by that. Thanks to um, uh, Mark, who runs the, the website Every Team Needs a Run. Uh, has He did a very nice analysis of some of United's better positional play in the Liverpool game, saying basically that the team has now slightly got to the point where they're standing in the bits, on the bits of the pitch that Van Gaal wants them to be standing on. So maybe that's what Van Gaal means, because the style is not working. The stat that has been doing the rounds all week of United have had one or zero shots on target in eight of their last 30 games uh, or something very close to that. United's uh, XG, their expected goals against Liverpool was 0.3, meaning that game would have to be played uh, more than three times for United to be statistically likely to score if they carried on playing that way. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know what bit... Of the, they're losing every game, or, or, you know, not every game, but they're losing huge quantities of games. They're very boring to watch. Everyone hates the team. Everyone hates Van Gaal. I'm not sure why he thinks it's working. Yeah, Slavon Bilic said after the game... Well, he said two things which were interesting. One I agreed with, one I didn't. First, he said that United were all over the place. I agreed with that one. Uh, then he said that Manchester United are a different team when they play away from home. They don't have that same confidence. Afraid I can't agree with that one. What confidence is it he's talking about? Yeah, uh, Fortress Old Trafford, where there's been six nil-nil draws in all competitions this season, where the team lost to a championship side, uh, where the team failed to uh, beat PSV to get through to the Champions League group stage, uh, past the group stages. No, it's it's a total joke. Yeah, I mean, this replay is going to be interesting. Not only are West Ham playing pretty well um, above United in the in the table, have a way of playing. Slavin Bilic has got them feeling confident, but this is going to be the last FA Cup game at their ground. Mm. I mean, everything points to a mega effort, and our oh, and United are terrible away from home. So we'll see. Four 0 to United, then. Come on. Um, at Mickey Sixchin says, if Moyes was a cupboard, is LVG a wardrobe? No, I think he's still, I think he's approached cupboard status. I don't think he's surpassed it. It's been a lot of, is he worse than Moyes talk? But I'm, I'm, I think, I think that is time 
making us forget how bad Moyes was. I, I, I tell you what, LVG is making me feel like I'm locked in a dungeon, let alone a cupboard. cupboard. Um, at Worcester30 says, well, you guys, guys, are you Team Cap or Team Stark? I'm, I'm going to assume Ed doesn't even know what that question means, but obviously Team Cap. Stark was properly fascist, trying to get everyone to sign up to some bogus document where the government would know their secret identity. You can't trust the government with that kind of information. He also says, do you think Martial would get into any of those teams? Well, he's definitely a superhero, so I'd want him on my my superhero super team. Oh, is that right, Ed? Has that all just completely gone over your head? I totally agree. (laughs) Nice. All right, here's a good Moyes versus Van Gaal question. I really like this one. At Alan Ramich 3 says, who would you rather if they had to manage the team for five years, Van Gaal or Moyes? (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) I mean, just don't, please. I would definitely still go with Van Gaal. So I reckon after five years, he might just be able to do something. Yeah, in a game of marry and kill, what would you do with those two? Um, At Black underscore Gatsby says, how do you rate Varela? Does he have a future at the club as a starter or is he more of a squad player? He's all a bit Raphael, isn't he? We'll we'll see. He's, um, I I think he's not got the full package. Uh, Certainly not on the defensive side. We will see. I mean, he's he's a late bloomer either way. Um, at Machiavelli says, is this the worst Premier League season ever? I mean, you look at the games we should have won and we'd be second or third. Us. Yes, it's kind of true. Even how terrible we are, we're not totally out of contention from the top four. And the, and the quality level, I mean, Spurs and Leicester have both been excellent for large parts of the season. Not just like outperforming their own expectations, but... Genuine, like, really good teams to watch playing really nice football. But everyone else has got a massive question mark against them, except maybe West Ham, I guess. You could say West Ham have really overperformed. Yeah, look, I think the gap between a number of teams isn't very large at the moment, and that's uh, and we're probably going to get a, a winner with a lower points total than normal, it would seem. Anyway, so, uh, and that might just tell you something about how close it is. In terms of the quality of the league, I mean, a little hard to say, isn't it, other than... Um, English teams in European football are not doing very well. Uh, no, but there's going to be... I mean, I guess Spurs are going to go out of the Europa League and we're going to go out of the Europa League, but they drew two English teams against each other, so at least one of them are going to be in the quarterfinals of the Europa League. Right, and Arsenal are as good as out and Chelsea are already out and City are out. So, yeah, yeah. Um, they're, they're will, yeah, Liverpool will be into the uh, the last 16 of the Europa League. It's kind of interesting that what's, what is going to be the case in a couple of seasons' time because while the best players in the world, you would say that there's only a, a couple in the top 20 in the Premier League probably, maybe, maybe five or whatever... Um, but next season you're going to have Klopp, Guardiola, let's assume Mourinho, if if not at United, then somewhere. Probably still Wenger. Conte might well be at Chelsea. There's a real kind of gathering of the managerial heavyweights. It'd be interesting if that brings up the, the general standard of the Premier League. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, and, and very few English managers has, has, has been tweeted around. Not, not that that means much, uh, I suppose. Talking of uh, Conte, Diego Costa. Did he bite or did he not bite? Well, Gareth Barry says he didn't bite, and that's got to be pretty definitive, hasn't it? it I mean, it was just a little loving nibble, wasn't it? <laughs> 2 a.m. in the nightclub. Fancy coming home with me, love? No, thank you, Diego. You don't seem very nice. <laughs> 
Very true. Yeah, so talking of not very nice, we've got a play a game with Liverpool where we start 2-0 down. How do you see this one going? I guess I wouldn't be surprised if we find some sort of fight and make a bit of a fist of it. But in in order for us to believe that that might be true, doesn't Van Hull also have to play a team that goes out to win the game? Yeah, but even he knows he has to do that when he's 2-0 down. Yeah, but Fellaini, Schweinsteiger and Carrick will all start in central midfield, right? When, when we lost to Micheland away... That was a real capitulation too. That was a real dismal performance. And they were much, much, much better at Old Trafford. I mean, I know that's Michelin and Liverpool, for all their faults, are better than them. Uh, And I don't think we're going to win 5-1. But there is a selection of players that can play a certain way that can beat Liverpool by better than 2-0. It is very hard to to be in any way confident that Van Gaal will find that alchemy. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's the thing, really. There, there are some players who could pull it out. It doesn't happen very often under this manager. And the other thing is that he doesn't set his team out to attack unless he's absolutely forced to, and it's by accident. I mean, you know, cynical view, I suppose, but um, I see very few scenarios in which United will go out to attack and open out. I think what will happen is that uh, Van Hal will be relying on hopefully, maybe, possibly pinching the goal um, and uh, going out and winning from there. But um, it's going to be a very, very similar pattern. Liverpool will press again. Uh, can United keep the ball long enough and with enough quality in order to to get into those attacking positions. And the thing is, you know, there's been very few games, bar that you know odd burst of games um, a, a month or so ago, where United create three chances, let alone score three goals. Yes, that, that's true. You know, you say like he won't go for an attacking thing unless he's forced to. Rightly, you mean by injuries and suspensions and things, which has been the pattern so far. But this time, doesn't I, I would imagine that the situation somewhat forces him to, and that he's going to have to think. Well, I need my most creative players on the pitch here because I we need we just need to win this game and not just one nil. We have to we have to score multiple goals. So go on then, pick a team that you think he will pick. Uh, so uh, back three of Fellaini, Carrick, and Rashford. <laughs> 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 no, I mean, I, I, I think he'll pick a team very similar to the one he picked today, I, I, I guess. I, I, I suspect that, um, well, I suppose Fellaini's not suspended, right? Has he actually been, he hasn't been reported for his, his elbow in the face of uh, Emre Can. Um, that's so unfortunate, isn't it? Everyone was like really hoping that that would lead to a suspension for Fellaini for the next leg. I mean, maybe he plays Fellaini... I guess he will because he said he was good again today. So, so yeah, he's going to play. He will, and and he'll bring Schweinsteiger back in because he's had a few minutes in both games. Um, Herrera will drop out. He's not that. I guess maybe he is. And and he'll bring Schneiderlin in for matter. So, <laughs> so all right, here's the team that I actually think that he's going to pick: De Gea, Varela, Smalling, Blint, Rojo. Who, by the way. Do you remember the, uh, when we signed six players last season and you picked Rojo as the kind of most likely one to underwhelm and then actually had kind of an OK season last season? He's had a very bad season this season, Rocco. Um, even when he's been playing, he has not been good. So that that that's the back four. I'm just going to say he's going to go with Schneiderlin, Herrera and Mata. Memphis, Martial and Rashford. Absolutely no <laughs> Imagine chance. Imagine if he did. Imagine if he did. 
I think he might go for a defensive midfield four of Carrick, Schweinsteiger, Fellaini and Schneiderlin. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Play Carrick up front. For the pace. Just... <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I guess you think we're going to lose to Liverpool then, Ed? No, no. Let, let's be uh, <laughs> let's be positive about this and say uh, it's going to be a one-all draw or something like that. It's a classic rank cast, isn't it? Oh, everything's terrible, everything's ruined. Van Gaal's a joke. He's going to pick a terrible team. Are we going to lose? No, can't <laughs> lose. No, I, mean, I think we'll lose on aggregate. I can't see United turning this around. I, I just can't see us attacking enough. Um, to score three goals. I mean, I suppose a 2-0 a win would be enough to take it into extra time and potential penalties, but uh, can you see this defence not conceding? I mean, this is the thing. I actually can see us scoring enough goals because we've put three past Liverpool a few times uh, in recent seasons, or at least twice. Um, and the problem is I just don't see the team not conceding because they are so open at the back. It is absolutely ridiculous. It's not just the Hayes excellence that's keeping us in it. It's also, it's relying on a combination of profligacy from opposing attackers and De Gea's excellence. Yeah, and agreed. one of those two things is going to run out. Yeah, the XG on United's or the expected XG against... Um, is is much higher than it actually is. So, uh, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think uh, the luck will run out and Liverpool will score at Old Trafford and that'll be it. Yep. Now, t- talking of Liverpool and uh, ex-Liverpool managers, Rafael Benitez oh, gosh. at Newcastle. I'm not sure I saw that one coming. No, nope, uh, nor did any of the Newcastle fans I follow on Twitter who are so happy. It's really nice to see. They're so excited about this. I hope, for their sake, that he that Benitez can keep them in division because he's straight off if they get relegated to the Championship. I mean, a very, very peculiar move from Benitez given what an absolute shambles Newcastle is as a club. Well, it's two from three. Newcastle, Norwich and Sunderland. Yeah. And that's it. Villa definitely down and Swansea, you'd think, uh, have a big enough cushion on 33 yeah. points. So. Um, yeah, they've got to come top of that, that three-team le- three league. Yeah, and I, I guess... That Benitez has got a better chance of doing that than McLaren did, because he'll get them well organised and he he knows how to get the best out of mediocre resources, as his time with Liverpool proved. That's that was, that was a banter there for you in these difficult times. But yeah, if if he does, will he be able to do anything with that club? Will will Mike Ashley give him the level of control he would need? It, it would be an extremely sensible move on Ashley's part to kind of. Give a manager proper control, but no, he won't. And uh, Benitez will flip his lead eventually because that's what he's done in the past when he's not had control. Um, so yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, you know, I guess he's more competent than McLaren, uh, and that's uh, in their favour. But yeah, it seems like they're totally the wrong ingredients. Then again, almost anyone there would be totally the wrong ingredients. Yeah, it's, uh, it is really sad. I know, like lots of United fans, don't really like Newcastle as a club, but any football club being run in that way is just really sad because football clubs are supposed to belong to the community of people they serve, and instead. You know, they're serving Sports Direct. Well, OK, talking about a football club that does not belong to the community of people it serves, but to uh, the Abu Dhabi royal family, uh, United go to the Etihad. Now, a city in worse form than us. <laughs> of course, the ironic thing about the Manchester City regime is because the whole thing is a giant PR scam, they actually do run it as if it was a club that belonged to the community it served. 
Um, that's the the great irony of our times. Uh, but anyway, yeah, they're really, really bad. It's an absolute joke that City aren't winning the league this season. Uh, we're bad, but they're bad in a completely different way to us. Like their their players are better than our players. Uh, their manager might even be better than our manager. Uh, but it's uh, it's not working for them at all. Another really disappointing result uh, this weekend, nil nil against Norwich, and they're they're, they're going to be in real trouble of, in terms of holding on to fourth place if West Ham keep up their form. Yeah, they are. I mean, they've got a, a decent goal difference um, on West Ham, but yeah, I mean, this is what happens when you fire your manager in the season, and it's uh, you know it's it, the players are struggling to cope with it. Their form did fall off a cliff. Um, they did get the win in Europe. I think I said they were out, but they're not, are they? They've got the second leg of that one to come. And they're going to win because they're 3-1 up. You'd think. We'll see. We'll see. Um, uh, but Kiev are no great shakes, are they? And and they were good away at Kiev. That's been like their one kind of proper performance, really. It's a bit like us under Moyes. They just don't care about what's going on in the league. They're just going to try their best in Europe. Yeah. Um, as for United, well, uh, we're going to have two days less rest. Um, because of the European game and uh, we're away from home, neither of which add up to much of a performance, you'd think. No, and you would think that City's kind of slightly dilettante lack of effort won't be there for the derby because they they will care to some extent about that. Yeah, you'd think so, yeah. I mean, part of City's problem has been inconsistency since uh, Guardiola announced his um, improvement pending arrival and uh, you know often dug out of trouble by Sergio Aguero who you would think would give United's back for quite a runaround. The one thing Van Gaal's got going for him is his record against United's big rivals and the other the other teams well the teams competing for success in the Premier League not the other teams because we're not one of them but I don't that didn't extend to the Etihad last season and I don't see how it will this season. They're playing badly, so there should be an opportunity there. But unless we've absolutely tonked Liverpool, I can't see us finding, especially if we lose to Liverpool, I can't see United finding a response. And and, and I think a draw would be a pretty good result. It would. But, but put it this way, you know, United are four points behind City. A win at the Etihad. This should be a massive game for Van Gaal's team. Massive game. And, um, you know, a win there would put us within a point of City and and fourth place game on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but we're rubbish, so that's the problem. But we're rubbish and and it seems like the players don't really believe that Van Gaal will be manager next season. Yeah, because we have also effectively sacked our manager in the middle of the season. Without actually replacing him, only with you say that. But the stories were floating around this week that, uh, that United may actually allow Van Hal to see out his contract. Imagine my God! Imagine the scenes. Just the, my God! The ground will be half empty, right? Well, you say that, but I bet they drag it out uh, until. Uh, well, I don't bet this. Anything can happen. I mean, it could be that as soon as United are mathematically unable to reach Champions League, they fire him, much as Moyes. Um, but equally, it would not surprise me. Um, if they just dragged it out and dragged it out until after season ticket renewal time. But I think nobody... And then announced a five-year extension <laughs> to Van Hal's contract. But nobody's renewing their season ticket. Not nobody, obviously tons of people are renewing their season ticket, but loads and loads of people won't renew their season ticket unless they, until they know that... I mean, this is completely anecdotal evidence, but I probably know or, or kind of regularly talk to around 100 United season ticket holders... And of them, 
at least five have said they're definitely not going to go next season if if Van Hal is still the manager. So you know, it's a fairly significant. If you extrapolate that out, there's going to be a there's going to be a big chunk of people voting with their wallets, isn't there? Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, history tends to say that uh, that doesn't really happen. So United do tend to sell out their season tickets because there's. A, uh, a big, well, you know, historically massive fan base. And uh, the Glazers have done their best to erode it and the Van Hall is doing a very good job of doing that too. I, I do get slightly frustrated with people talking about boycotts. I'm not talking about not renewing their season ticket, that's a different thing, but people actually sort of talking about boycotting again because Van Gaal won't get sacked. And I kind of feel a bit frustrated and I feel like if you didn't boycott when the Glazers came in, you probably shouldn't boycott for this. You know, that was a little bit more of a big deal than this. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, it's an important game for City too, uh, obviously, um, for many reasons. Imagine Pep Guardiola taking his team to FC Helsinki or whatever in the Europa League. But City have got some interesting games coming up. We played Bournemouth and West Brom after United. Uh, West Brom playing all right. Bournemouth safe, you'd say now, 38 points. Um, Then... Uh, City played Chelsea, Stoke, Southampton, Arsenal and Swansea to finish the season. So it's not the easiest of run-ins, you'd say. Nobody's got an easy run-in, have they? I, I think we've kind of got quite an easy run-in, but we're terrible against bad teams. I mean, Leicester have got an, a theoretically easy run-in, but on the other hand, everyone's saying, well, actually, they do kind of better against teams that let them, that, you know. Yeah, and three, three of um, West Ham's next four games are Chelsea, Arsenal and Leicester. So, look, all I'm saying is that it's there for United. Uh, City do not have an easy run in. West Ham do not have an easy run in. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, mean, what more do you need to motivate you, Louis, if you want to keep your job? Apparently, they need a lot more to motivate them because they've... This... We shouldn't be having this conversation. It should have been an absolutely foregone conclusion that United walked into the top four this season because the level of competition isn't there. But the complete negligence on Van Gaal's part of of reacting appropriately to the circumstances that have befallen him... Uh, is hugely to blame for this. He talked again about injuries and 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 United having a small squad uh, in in midweek after the Europa League game. When right at the beginning of March, when everyone was going, isn't it great that these young players are coming through? Van Gaal was going, yes, this is of course because of me and my brilliant decision not to have a big squad. You know, he can't have his cake and eat it. He can neither have his cake nor eat it at the moment. <laughs> Oh dear. So, what do you reckon? City away? Uh, 3-1 City. Wow. Uh, Liverpool, Liverpool, I think, is going to be maybe 2-1 to us. Uh, but yeah, I think we're going to lose lose the tie and then lose the game against City. My God. This is... Uh, is it, it's not quite... Isn't it? Funny enough, this doesn't feel quite as negative as last <laughs> week's podcast, does it? which was right at number 11 on the negativity scale. Yeah, uh, this, this, there's a sort of resigned quality to this week's, isn't there? It's like nothing's come as a surprise. It's just been as abject as you thought. And there was that little bit of hope with a kind of decent 20-minute spell against West Ham. Yeah. So just to kill off that you know, hint of positivity, um, I think United will draw one all against Liverpool and then lose 2-1 at City. Uh, and I guess that would end United's hopes of top four via the league. I mean, aren't they? Aren't they already over by virtue of how bad we are? No, because we play City. So if if by some miracle we win, 
out on Sunday at City, there's a point in it. Yeah, right. And then we're not going to win enough games between now and the end of the season to overturn them. I mean, we really need a run. That's what we really need. And the only run we've been able to put together for the last four or five months has involved beating Shrewsbury and FC Midtjylland. So I don't see a run coming. Well, here's a run for you. We play Liverpool, City, Everton, Spurs in the next four games. Think Van Gaal will still be the manager after those four games? I do. I think Van Gaal will be the manager until we all die now. This is just <laughs> this is it. We've had it too good for too long. This is fake dealing us what we all deserve for not having appreciated Ferguson enough. And once upon a time, United's running of Villa, Leicester, Norwich and Bournemouth would have been quite tasty, but I'm not sure I rank us against any of those teams. Well, you know, maybe we can do Villa. Everyone does Villa. I think we'll get... I, I would feel more confident about us getting points uh, against City, Spurs, you know, Everton. The, the kind of decent teams are the teams that we have done much better against. I mean, the, the real disgrace of this season is the results against the, the teams in the bottom half of the table. Yeah, very true. Well, I guess that's it. Um... How do, you, how do you sum up this week? I mean, I, I thought not the worst performance under Van Gaal, but perhaps the most disgraceful performance under Van Gaal at Liverpool. Very much like the Olympiacos game, wasn't it? A very similar feel to it. Yeah, it, it was. A little bit better against West Ham, but, but I think a lot of that is the context and the, the sense that um, I thought West Ham would actually win at Old Trafford that's making me feel more positive. Yeah, yep. and it, and not for that. United have actually just drawn against West Ham at home. Um, yeah, a team we beat quite often at home. So, although they are above us in the league, so you know, it's a, it's a plucky underdog story. It's all part of the process. Uh, I remember when I really believed him when he said that. I really, really believed him. I think you cracked before I did. You spotted it before I did. That, that actually, no, that's not what was happening. Uh, but I remember him saying earlier this season, we've we've solved the defensive part of the game and now the attacking part of the game is going to be the next thing we solve. We're just at a mo- it is a moment in the process, he said. I'm, I'm not buying it, Louis. I don't think the style is working. And I think every, well, not quite every, but it's got to be 90% of United fans hoping that next season starts with a different manager in the dugout. You'd think so, yeah. Um, let's hope so. Anyway, so um, I, I don't expect after the next couple of games that Van Gaal will be sacked. I mean, it would really take something special, like getting hammered by Liverpool and City. I don't I don't even think he's sacked then. You know, if he was going to be sacked during the season, he would have been sacked by now, right? Surely. Maybe, as you say, like once we're mathematically impossible to get into the Champions League. Uh, but yeah, honestly, like, if, if we had just given it to Ryan Giggs or Warren Joyce or Nicky Butt in December, I don't think we'd be in the state we're in right now. But I wouldn't be having this. No way. Competitor. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, that's it for this week. In the meantime, if you want to get me on Twitter, it's at United Rant. Paul is at UTV Rantcast. Paul can be found on UMaxit and YouTube and Bleacher Report. I can be found occasionally on United Rant when I can find the time. Uh, you can like us on Facebook and leave us a review on iTunes. Thank you very much. We'll see you next week.